Good morning. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us on this final day of May. Can you believe it? We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and you can find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Com. And uh, very thrilled to have uh, joining us on the program this morning, the founder and executive editor of InDepthNewHampshire.org, Nancy West. Nancy, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Oh, Ken, thank you so much for having me. Well, you have been a, a long-time journalist in this state of New Hampshire and uh, and meant so much to uh, so many of your readers. And I know tomorrow in Boston you're going to be the recipient of the Michael Donahue Freedom of Inf- Information Award given by the New England First Amendment Coalition. And congratulations, Nancy. Richly deserved. Oh, thank you so much, Ken. This is really such an honor for me and for InDepthNH.org. Um, the award is really going to me, but for all of our work at the New, in- New Hampshire Center for Public Interest Journalism and the work we do daily publishing online, InDepthNH.org. Well, InDepthNH.org, uh, which uh, you founded, is celebrating its ninth year. That's, that's hard to believe. Seems like only yesterday. I know. I I just can't believe where the time went. You know, nine years, and we've grown probably very organically. Um, A lot of word of mouth. We we really are growing a lot. We have, um, in the last year, we had, see, I think it was 2 million page views. Um, We have a, a... Free newsletter that we send out almost every night, usually five nights a week. We don't wait till the following morning to put out our news. Okay. When we have a story done, we post it online. So, and then we put out our um, free newsletter every night. Usually, it's when we get done with the day's work. When the stories are done, whether that's seven o'clock or ten o'clock, that's when we put out the free newsletter. So, I hope people will. Um, Go to the website and sign up for the free newsletter. It's uh, We just compile all the news of the day. We put up whatever we think is, um, you know, the, the most important news for New Hampshire. Well, no doubt about that. And again, you've been doing it for a long time, nine years, uh, and it provides the state with uh, independent local news from an unbiased point of view. What a concept! Nancy, unbiased. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's um, we have a lot of very, very skilled and, um, you know, kind of people like myself who've been around for 35 years. We know how to do it, you know. Um, Gary Reno, Paula Tracy, myself, we're all veterans from the New Hampshire Union Leader and um, where we were well-trained. Well, no doubt, and you have, as you mentioned, put together a uh, a great staff. There, there's no doubt about that. And I always look forward to, to getting uh, my email uh, almost every night and, and catching up with what's happening in uh, indepthnewhampshire.org, indepthnh.org, I, I should say, as that is the, the website. 
And uh, so let me ask you this, Nancy, after your, your long career, as you mentioned, at the New Hampshire Union Leader, uh, when did you decide to start your own online news organization? Actually, when I left the Union Leader, um, I was planning on doing some freelance writing and, and just keeping my hand in that way. I knew I didn't want to stop. I could see what was happening to journalism in New Hampshire. There's far fewer reporters than there were, let's say, in the year 2000. Um, we've lost, I think it's well over 90% of all news jobs in New Hampshire. Mm. You know, and that's according to the, the State Department of um, Labor. And when you lose that many reporters, that's not just reporters. That's all news jobs, whether it's in the, the press room or the color room or whatever. But that's, we're very much like the whole country. We've lost many, many journalists. We've lost um, just a lot of jobs, and we're, we need to rebuild that. So I, I didn't think we could, I could do that just doing freelance reporting. And at the time I was teaching down at the Boston University Summer School for high school students who were interested in becoming investigative reporters. And they're down, and that's where I found the concept of they had the New New England Center for I think I'm still part of their name too, the New <laughs> England Center for Investigative News. I think that's the correct the correct phrasing. And now they're part of WBUR Radio, and it, it's just a, a wonderful nonprofit news. And that's where I learned about the concept and. Got some really good advice early on from Ann Galloway over at the Vermont Digger, and she has over there a, a staff of twenty-eight reporters now. Wow! And a, <clears throat> yeah, that's Vermont Digger. That's a they have really become a mainstream one of the true successes in nonprofit journalism. And and frankly, we imitate them a lot. We we look at what um, they do at the Vermont Digger and some of the other more Successful nonprofit news outlets like the Texas Tribune. There's many across the country, and there's um, hundreds. Uh, geez, it's not thousands. Well, maybe a couple of thousand that are anywhere from startup to 15 years online. Most are online with some, some with print, you know, capabilities. But it's a, uh, um, it, it's a little different, and I think it's a wonderful way to keep getting the news out as many of the legacy newspapers shrink just to keep keep news going no it's it's a it's a great service uh that you provide and uh there's no doubt about that and i i think surveys have shown in in recent years that uh, most people at least most people uh under the age of 50 let's say uh get their news online on their phones oh right with some days at some parts of the day we have um you know 60 to 70 percent of our readers are getting us by phone and you know they're just tapping in it's um an easy way to stay in touch and i think a lot of people are not accustomed to getting the kind of local and state news that they used to get years ago and that's what we're bringing back. We yeah. covered the state house really well, you know, between Gary and Paula, and um, you know, we have 
so many, you know, different freelance writers who are doing columns for us as well. Arnie Alpert is writing a column called Active with the Activist and covers a lot of the the issues that other mainstream papers aren't covering right now, uh, simply for lack of staff, you know? Yeah. He tried to fill in niches, you know, where, where there's not a lot of news coming out of, you know, like, we're coming, we're coming to the wrap-up of the um, legislative session this year, and it's, it's the last two years have been very, I would say, tumultuous up at the um, State House. And to have veterans like Paula and um, Gary Reno, who really understand and have that, you know, that that history, that knowledge of uh, where we came from up at the State House to where we are today. Uh, Gary Reno does a column for us, Distant Dome, every Sunday. I know, yeah, I publish it every Saturday night. Uh, we we have odd times for publication <laughs> because. Because we just, as soon as the work is finished, we want to get it out to people. We don't want to wait till tomorrow. No, absolutely. And, and when you talk about uh, coverage of the state house or any uh, story that uh, that breaks in the state, uh, you can do it more in depth. You have no limits when it comes uh, comes to space. Uh, you know, as you say, your your deadlines vary, but uh, you, you get it out just as soon as you can, and it's. Uh, uh, it provides just a, a tremendous service because there's very little in-depth journalism anymore uh, in the state. You might, you know, you might get uh, brief stories and and what have you, maybe in a, in a Sunday newspaper. But uh, beyond that, uh, there's very little in-depth these days. Oh yeah, and that's that's our specialty. That's what we really like doing. Sometimes people will say, you know, how long should I do this story? And it. As long as it takes or as short as it takes. Yeah. Whatever is required of that particular story, that's what we want. And um, and it works. But I think we got a real squeaker going on this year. You know, at the last minute earlier this month, Governor Sununu shifted gears and said he now supports legalizing marijuana for adults in New Hampshire. Right. Yeah. Since we're the only, only state in New England... Who doesn't have, um, or at least, you know, surrounding us, I think it's every state in New England, yep. that uh, others have legalized it. So people are driving from New Hampshire to Massachusetts or Maine to get legal marijuana over there and pay for it, but it's not legal here. And he changed gears, so they're really, the different committees are trying to find legislation that they can get through quickly and get it done. The governor has said he wants it done this session with this particular legislature. And so there's a lot of scrambling going on, and we're we're covering that very closely. Absolutely. Nancy West is with us. Nancy, can you stay with us a few more minutes? Oh, I'd love to. All right. Nancy West, who is the founder and executive editor of IndepthNH.org. Log on right now and uh, check it out if you have never done so or if you do so uh, every day and follow along with us right here. Kale and Company Live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Our guest on this portion of the show... 
Nancy West. You've seen her byline many, many, many times over the years that she has been involved in journalism uh, here in the uh, Granite State. And uh, Nancy was the, the founder uh, of the Center for Public, the New Hampshire Center for Public Interest Journalism, which uh, you founded in April of uh, 2015. And uh, your website is is published uh, by uh, that uh, that entity. And you promised, Nancy, to hold government accountable. Yes. Um, we really, it, it, it's very important that government, ha- that government has a watchdog, you know. Um, I really believe that, you know, left to its own devices, and it's, I'm seeing it more and more, with the different government entities really would like to, um, you know, keep things confidential. I don't necessarily think there's a lot of corruption, but we certainly keep an eye out for it. But we, you know, it's just easier. You know, it's just easier when no one's watching every step you take. But that's our job as journalists, to watch what the government does, report on it, make sure it's understandable to the readers and to the citizens of New Hampshire, and to hold them accountable. I see it as the fewer reporters we have in the state, the more secretive I see government becoming. You know, I am frequently uh, have to file right-to-know requests under the, the state law called the right-to-know law, it's RSA 91A, and rather than just call state entities up and go to their offices, it's everything has to be done, it seems, for public records under the right-to-know law. And even then, it's um, not as quick as I would like to see. Many of the entities that I request records from, they have, uh, by law, they have five days to respond. Well, you know, in the news business, five days is too long, you know, and usually the response I get for a right-to-know request is, oh, it'll take far longer than five days. You know, that's going to take 30 days or 90 days to compile those records. And it, it is difficult for some of these state agencies and maybe, you know, some of the municipalities as well to put this information together. But it's the public's right to know, not just for reporters. You know, every citizen in the state, even if you, you know, from out of state, has the right to find out what they want to know from government entities, the state or different agencies, um, what their public records show they're doing. No question. And, and people, you know, want to want to know what, what their government is up to. And uh, I, I think uh, among uh, the uh, appealing aspects of which there are many of your, your website, that, that it's nonprofit, you're not beholden to anyone, and and then it's it's free beyond that, and and uh, there are never there's never going to be any paywalls on on your on your website indepthnh.org, which is uh, refreshing. Yeah, we I really believe with so many of the um, legacy dailies have are locked behind the, you know paywalls. Yeah, we will never have a paywall. We really, especially at this time when there's so few journalists working in the in New Hampshire and around the country. This is, this is an issue that's pretty much everywhere. And we believe no paywall. 
And that that is outstanding because you you, you can't find uh, you know much journalism without a paywall uh, these days, and uh, you're among them. In depth, nh.org, and and you know you talk about uh, the fact that staffs at at newspapers uh, have have uh, declined over the years, whether it be your journalists, or those who print the paper, or whatever, and. Uh, the same is true in, in radio. I mean, when I first started in radio here in New Hampshire back in the mid-70s, Nancy, I mean, local stations uh, like this one and others, uh, you know, had uh, seven or eight news people on their staffs. I mean, stations in, in Manchester, Concord, Keene, Portsmouth, uh, you know, they had uh, reporters going out from radio stations all the time. But that isn't prevalent anymore either. Oh, no, and I remember that. That was very, very important. And um, actually, we've benefited. Roger Wood does a podcast for us yep. every week, and he's, he's a terrific radio news guy. Yep. And, you know, it's, it, 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 it's been a loss, but we want to rebuild. And we got to look to the future and find. We have um, a couple of people. Bev Stoddard and Bob Charest, who are working very hard behind the scenes here, we're looking to find a, a sustainable path, some way to sustain journalism financially so that we're not always, like, scraping for dollars or, or trying to figure out a way to, to pay our, our, our excellent writers. Right now, we have no full-time or even part-time journalists. We're all what you call contract workers, but that's, that's how we can survive for now. And as we grow, you know, a lot of our um, financing comes from readers. Readers hit the donate button. It's just, um, and it, what's really nice is sometimes they hit the donate button or send us a check and they send a note and they say, thank you for, um, for continuing, you know, I, I would call it old fashioned, do-leather journalism, you know, um, unbiased, as you said, and just doing it the way it should be done. No, absolutely so. And, uh, you know, sustainability is always uh, an issue, especially when you don't have uh, a paywall. And I, I'm glad that, that uh, so many of your readers, uh, you know, have uh, have donated. Uh, you funded in, in any other ways? Yes, actually, um, it's funny because we have, a little bit of advertising. Northeast Delta Dental just re-upped again. Very good. They've been with us since the beginning. They've been very supportive, and we are just started the um, our affordable obituary page. We've had you know losses where family members are paying you know upwards of eight hundred, nine hundred dollars for obituaries. So we have, and we'll, we want to be the go-to place for obituaries in New Hampshire so that you have one website that has no paywall and get all the statewide obituaries. That's sort of a fledgling project we've got going right now. We've, um, uh, we charge $99 for the for, uh, obituary, whether it's um, very long or very short, and there'll be, there'll be a place where you can get it Statewide, I can't tell you how often, and it shows my age, but um, I'll find out that people have passed away who I really knew at least a little bit, and I would have liked to have known perhaps to send a card or, or to attend the, the arrangement, but 
was unable to because I just didn't know. And yeah. that's why we have a column that we put out every Friday. Our staff puts it together. We just gather all of the different obituaries. We gather a, a segment of those of people who have been active in their community, and we put it up. It's called New, New Hampshire Notable Death. And every week, Bob Charest is taking photographs of different cemeteries across the state and writing a little history about them. We're actually looking for a publisher to do that as a, a, a coffee table book because there's so much interest in, um, you know, people looking up their, their history of their families. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's just really interesting. New Hampshire has so many people who are committed to their communities. And, and they should, at the Union Leader, I learned every single obituary is a piece of news. When we lose somebody, and it, this may sound kind of morbid, but, you know, it's news in New Hampshire when somebody dies. We, we want to celebrate those lives, you know. Um, so many people in New Hampshire, work, they work on their local school board or they yep. run for the selectmen's office. I, at the Union Leader years ago, I used to cover a million, probably close to a million selectmen's meetings. And it's a thankless job. You know, they, they, they work very hard and usually take a lot of heat from the public and from the press. That's our job. So <laughs> I don't apologize for that. But, um, you know, we want to know when, when people have passed away. So we have the affordable obituaries in um all, all, always some of the most read pages of a newspaper is the uh, the, the obituary page or pages. So, oh, uh, that's a popular column it, every Friday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Nancy West, continue the great work at indepthnh.org. Hope to catch up with you again soon, and congratulations on the award you're going to receive. Uh, tomorrow night from uh, the, the Freedom of Information Award given by the New England First Amendment Coalition. Congratulations, Nancy, and uh, we will be in touch soon. Oh, Ken, thank you. Thank you so much, and you keep up the good work, too. I'll do the best I can, Nancy. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> thanks, Nancy. Take care. Nancy West of indepthnh.org, an outstanding uh, online uh, operation that you should take advantage of and, and maybe donate as well. We will take a break. Kale and Company continues after these words on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And uh, joining us, 2024 presidential candidate, Larry Elder. Larry, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it is uh, our pleasure. And uh, where are you calling us from today? I'm calling you from L.A., home base, uh, in the belly of the beast, California. <laughs> you, you're up bright and early this morning, Larry. <laughs> Five, 5.30 for you. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> thank you. So, Larry... Uh, We've seen you many times on, on Fox News. I know you were hosted a radio talk show for many years in, in Los Angeles. And uh, we've got a country to save. That's, that's the campaign slogan that I have. We've got a country to save. And the, and the reason I'm doing this, uh, 
is my dad was a World War II Marine vet. He was one of the first black Marines. They were called the Monford Point Marines. He served in Guam. My older brother, Kirk, uh, was in the Navy during the Vietnam era. My little brother, Dennis, was in the Army, actually went to Vietnam. I'm the only one in my family who never served, and I've never felt good about that. And I really feel that I've got a moral, a patriotic, and a religious obligation uh, to do this, to give back to the country that's been so good to me and to my family. Uh, and that's why I'm doing this. It's a huge sacrifice in time and energy, as you well know. Uh, I did have a very nice career in radio and TV, uh, so, and I'm not flushed like some of these other guys, so this is a, a big financial burden for me as well. But I'm doing this because I think we Republicans are of two minds about 45. There are those who love Donald Trump, and there are those who love what Donald Trump did as president, but fear, for reasons that, in my opinion, are almost entirely unfair, that a sufficient number of swing voters, particularly uh, women in the suburbs in swing states, would not vote for the man if he walked on water. Now, I don't know what to do about Trump derangement syndrome. Maybe someday they'll develop a vaccine. But until then, (laughs) I think we're running a real risk uh, by nominating him again, because I think uh, the likelihood of him losing to... uh, Joe Biden uh, is still there. It's a real it's a real possibility. And if you like what he did on borders, like what he did on judges, like what he did on the economy, like what he did on not getting us into another war, like what he did uh, on having a secretary of education who was an adamant proponent of school choice, you like all those things, but you want to make sure that we win in November 2024, uh, I'm your man. And that's why I'm asking people to go to elderforpresident.com, throw something in the tip jar, because I need to get individual 40,000 individual donations in order to qualify for that first debate in August in Milwaukee. Well, I know you were a big supporter of, uh, of President Trump. I heard you many times, and I, I know that uh, your concern is that he won't get enough of the independents uh, to beat Joe Biden or whoever the candidate may be uh, in a general election. So that is uh, basically one of the reasons why you're running. That, that is the reason the why I'm reason. running. I, yeah. I, I, I've, I've asked people, have you lost friends because of Donald Trump? Carol, I've had three friends I've known for an average of 40 years each, including the best man at my wedding when I got married years ago. We no longer speak to each other simply because I support Donald Trump. Have you lost, um, are, are you tiptoeing on eggshells at work because of your support for Donald Trump? Do you have strained relations with members of your family and relatives because of Donald Trump? If the answer to those series of questions is yes, Houston, we've got a problem. And again, I don't know what to do about that. I've tried to convince people that Donald Trump did not orchestrate uh, an insurrection. I tried to convince people that Donald Trump did not mock a disabled reporter. I tried to convince people that no, Donald Trump did not say they were good Nazis and bad Nazis on both sides. And he never said any of those things. Yet a substantial number of Americans, uh, because of the media, because of their hostility toward Donald Trump, believe these kinds of things. And so, again, a, a, a number of voters who are swing voters would never vote for the man, no matter what. And that's my concern. You want another four years of Biden? And I think it's going to worse, be worse than that, Kale, because as soon as Biden gets across the finish line, if he can fog up a mirror, he'll be the nominee. Uh, and if he can't do it, then it's Kamala Harris. And depending upon when he hands it over to Kamala Harris, she could serve out his, the rest of his term if he gets reelected, Biden, and then run two more times. We could have up to 10 years of Kamala Harris. That's what's at stake here. That is scary. That's a scary thought, Larry. Uh, the, the DNC, as you know, has uh, tried to take away our first-in-the-nation primary uh, here in New Hampshire and, uh, of course, the Iowa caucuses as well. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the DNC trying to rig the Democratic primary? Well, 
They, in fact, they've done, they've moved it away from, uh, from Iowa. Their first uh, primary is now going to be South Carolina, as I understand it. Um, and I don't get it. Uh, Barack Obama got nominated in Iowa 2008, even though Iowa, quote, is a two-white state, close quote. Uh, I don't understand it. What they're trying to do is to make sure that um, a large percentage of black voters have a say in who gets to be the, the nominee. South Carolina, 60% of the primary voters are black. Most of those are females, and that's where they want to shift the power to. They feel that both New Hampshire uh, and Iowa do not represent America, and that's why they're trying to change the, uh, the, those two contests. Well, we're going to remain first, Larry. I'm going to tell you, New Hampshire will still be first, regardless of what they say, uh, the DNC says, or what they say in South Carolina. We are going to remain uh, number one here in New Hampshire. It's a a crowded field, as you know. I think Chris Christie is going to announce uh, his candidacy today for for president. What separates you, Larry, from the, the rest of the field? Well, again, I think most of us like what Donald Trump did as president. Uh, I think most of us like what he did on borders. Most of us would appoint the same kinds of judges he did. Most of us support tax cuts, support regulatory relief. The question is electability and likability. And my feeling is once I get up there on that debate stage uh, in Milwaukee, and people hear me, see me, uh, see that I've got sense of humor. I've been talking about these issues for almost 40 years, writing about them, debating them. Uh, they'll like me. Uh, and that's what I think uh, separates me from the rest of them. Uh, do you believe that Larry Elder is somebody that a sufficient number of suburban women can vote for such that we don't have a, a, a another four years of Biden and Harris? And speaking of New Hampshire, I'm going to be there on June 22nd uh, in Portsmouth at a town hall with Seacoast GOP committees uh, and the York Maine GOP committee. Uh, that's Thursday, the 22nd at 6 p.m. at Grill 28. And I'm going to be in Concord uh, on Friday, June 23rd. At uh, 6 p.m. at the Phoenix Hall, it, it, it's called Politics and Pies. I'm assuming they're not going to throw a pie, but uh, I'm going to be there. <laughs> Hopefully, you won't get a pie in the face, Larry. Hopefully I, not. I, you I know, you I, never know. I, I know you're not totally unfamiliar with uh, with New England because you you went to school at Brown. In I, I sure did. Yeah, I sure did. From 19 uh, was it 70 to 74, I was in. Providence at Brown. And by the way, I'm also not unfamiliar with having things thrown at me. When I I ran for governor, somebody uh, uh, in a gorilla mask, they said it was a white woman in a gorilla mask, threw an egg at me. And, And I said, after it happened, I said, how do you know it was a mask? Maybe she was having a bad hair day. Elder sexist. Elder makes sexist comment about the issue wasn't me, me having an egg thrown at me. The issue was how I described the woman who threw the egg. I, I remember that incident. I, I do. And uh, what, Larry, what has happened in, in your state of California? Well, what's happened is Democrats have run the state for a very long time. We have super- in both houses of our legislature, in the Senate, in the Assembly, Republicans need not show up to work. And they pass one job-killing bill after another, one brain-dead bill after another. As you know, we have a reparations panel that the governor signed into law, uh, and they're recommending, I think it's up to around $350,000 uh, per descendant of, uh, of, of uh, black slaves here in California. And reparations is the extraction of money from people who are never slave owners to be given to people who are never slaves. The whole thing is absurd. What they ought to be talking about is the fact that 75% of black boys, third-grade black boys in California, Kale, can neither read nor do math at grade level. They're not talking about the epidemic of fatherlessness uh, 
which is plaguing the black community. 70% of black kids now enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother, uh, which increases the chances of being poor, increases the chances of dropping out of school, increases the chances that at some point you're going to spend some time behind bars. They're not talking about those kinds of things. You're talking about this kind of nonsense, as if people walking around today owe some sort of debt to people, uh, black people, because of what happened to their ancestors 150 years ago. The whole thing is insulting. Well, Larry, I appreciate your calling in this morning, bright and early from uh, Los Angeles, where it's now 5.45 a.m., and uh, we look forward to you coming to New Hampshire June 22nd uh, in Portsmouth, the uh, 23rd in Concord, and we'll keep uh, folks posted about that. And uh, welcome to call in anytime, Larry. Really appreciate it. And go to LarryElder.com. LarryElder.com is the website. Larry, thanks for joining us today. Ken Kale, thank you so much for having me. God bless. All right. God bless you. Larry Elder running for president on the Republican side in 2024. And he will be visiting New Hampshire shortly. We will take a break. Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back to Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at nhtalkdentalcoversme.com. Not nhtalkradio.com. deltadentalcoversme.com. Hey, how about this? This, according to the uh, Concord Monitor, Concord is the leafiest, the leafiest capital city in the Northeast, with almost half of its residential area covered by trees, according to an aerial survey company. Uh, The ranking of state capitals was released on Thursday, last Thursday, by NearMap. It said trees covered 49.2% of Concord's residential area, making it the eighth, the eighth leafiest capital city. The top seven are all in the south. So in the northeast, Concord is the leafiest city. The only other New England capital in the top half of the rankings was Augusta, Maine, which had a 46.3% tree cover. Concord has a tree committee that works to support the planting and growth of trees in the city and programs such as the uh, Sustainable Street Tree, which provides free trees for planting each spring in locations suggested by residents. Uh, NearMap is an Australian firm, says it surveys more than 100 million locations in the United States, up to three times per year providing information it can sell to governments, insurers, construction companies, and others for such actions as wildlife uh, management or wildfire management, uh, city planning, and disaster recovery. It says its software can identify trees without leaves, even in summer, and identify broken and damaged vegetation, such as dead wood lying on the ground or trees that have been blown over. So congratulations, Concord, the leafiest capital city in the Northeast. So uh, there you go. It has many distinctions, uh, does the city of Concord, 
but uh, never knew, never knew it had uh, it had that one. So uh, that is outstanding. We're a very leafy city. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of uh, things going on in terms of our city parks uh, in Concord. And uh, more than uh, 20 people, this is from uh, the Concord Monitor as well, uh, more than 20 people expressed support last week for proposed city projects to be included in the 2024 Capital Improvement Program, including soccer lights at Keech Park, which is uh, on Loudon Road, an inclusion, uh, an inclusionary playground, and a waterfront skateboard park. If approved, the capital improvement program portion of the city budget will see a 13% increase over last year's adopted $21.3 million amount, bringing the total to $24.2 million for public projects, road paving and sidewalk installation, vehicle and equipment replacement, and general city improvements in Concord. Uh, the movement toward lighting up Keach Park began in 2017 when Change for Concord, a group comprised of young adults advocating for more diversity, equity, and inclusion from the city toward its growing community of refugees and new Americans, introduced a proposal to city council. The expenditure didn't rise to the city's list of top priorities and was not funded. But under new leadership, the group reapproached councillors in November, asking for more financial support from the city, starting with the installation of lights at Keach Park, an initiative that would help new American youth find a sense of community in the Heights, the city's most diverse neighborhood. The demand influenced the city manager and councillors to move the project into this year's budget proposal. Now, when the project was first presented in 2017, councilors estimated it would cost between $400,000 and $500,000 for the lights, but City Manager Tom Aspell allocated $383,000 for the installation, which councilors were urged uh, to approve. Uh, but uh, additionally, Soccer Lights' proposal received the support of Catherine Corkery, director of the Sierra Club, and Meredith Cooley, a parent supporter of uh, Change for Concord, and uh, co-directors of the Concord Green Space Coalition and several city councilors. The approval of a proposed playground at White Park would bring the first all-accessible playground for children and guardians to Concord. According to uh, Rick McPartland, on behalf of uh, Friends of White Park, said this uh, plan we are looking at comes out of a lot of community meetings, particularly with children who would be using the park. We feel very strongly that the community needs to have a playground where all kids and guardians can go and play to watch their kids, and uh, so the park can continue to dis uh, serve a diverse and broad array of people who live in the city. So uh, good news in terms of uh, some upgrades in the city of Concord. Uh, as part of the uh, revision process for Kiwanis Riverfront Park, right behind the uh, Everett Arena, uh, Parks and Recreation Director David Gill led the public through two informational sessions last month to gather feedback from residents on their communal needs, many of which expressed their desire and support 
for a renovated skate park. There is a skate park there right now at uh, Riverfront Park uh, near the Merrimack River. So they're going to try to renovate that skate park because I, from personal observation, I have seen that uh, skate park used day in and day out by any number of uh, youngsters who are enjoying it immensely. And uh, other renovations would include a pavilion, amphitheater, children's playground, boathouse, walking paths, more parking, and uh, an area expansion. The total cost for design and permitting would cost the city $200,000. I think sometimes that area, uh, the uh, Kiwanis Park uh, by the Merrimack River, behind the Everett Arena, is sometimes underutilized. It's a beautiful spot. I just uh, sometimes take take a seat and uh, just, uh, I frankly, sit out there and, uh, you know, go over some news of the day on my phone and uh, feed the squirrels. I admit, I feed the squirrels. I give them peanuts. Uh, but uh, it, it's very nice to sit out there, and I think it's a little bit underutilized because I, I never see that many people uh, taking advantage of the beauty uh, of that area right along the Merrimack River behind uh, the Everett Arena on Loudon Road. I take advantage of it, I, I will admit. Uh, Ted Rice is quoted as saying skateboarding is one of the most popular growing sports in the world. It brings together culture and community. The kids and the people who regularly use the skate park built their lives around it and became lifelong friends. As the state capital, we should be leading the way. I, I must admit, I have never, I have never skateboarded, but I take pleasure in, in seeing uh, the the youngsters out there, and, and some of them are real good. Some of them are really, really good. They do amazing things uh, with those skateboards. So it's a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I, I try to take advantage of uh, the the Kiwanis Park probably as much as anybody. And it's a, just a great place to sit, think, read, feed the squirrels, see the birds, uh, see some of the uh, the boats that go by, some of the skulls when the, the teams are out uh, practicing for crew, and uh, see some of the motorboats that that go by just on a, on a lazy afternoon. We have some we have some great afternoons and and late mornings coming up where uh, people could take advantage of sitting by the Merrimack River and just uh, just enjoying life for for an hour or two. Uh, by the way, the uh, Division One preliminary round of the uh, ba- the baseball tournament will be played on Thursday. The Division One preliminary round baseball tournament, the Concord High Crimson Tide, the seventh seed, will be at home against number ten Bishop Girton. That game will uh, take place at Memorial Field. Uh, another uh, park in Concord that uh, is, you know, talked about to uh, receive some upgrades in the not too distant future. Maybe better drainage, so there won't be as many uh, baseball and softball postponements and cancellations. So things are looking up as far as our uh, local parks are concerned here in the capital city, the leafiest capital city. In the Northeast. Again, uh, Concord and Bishop Girton at uh, 4 o'clock, and that'll be on Thursday. Let's see, in uh, Division 2 
on Thursday. Cole Brown will be at Plymouth at 4. Bo will be hosting Pelham at 4. And also at 4 o'clock, Kennett will be at John Stark. So uh, there you go, some of the area teams. And uh, Concord Christian uh, will be hosting their Division Four preliminary round on Thursday at 4 as they take on Messenic. All of that is baseball, and uh, we will keep you posted on that. As we continue here, we'll be uh, talking a little theater tomorrow on the show. Hope you can join us as we uh, take a look at uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf this weekend at the Hatbox Theater in Concord. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Nancy West. Thanks to Larry Elder. Thanks to Kat for her work on the board, as always. If you want to hear it again, right after 7 o'clock tonight, here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental.